This is Ford Exchanges by Neom. What's next in moving money around the world, one global conversation at a time. Hello, and welcome to Forward Exchanges from Neom. We know you're trying to stay on top of fast emerging changes in global payments when it's all you can do to keep up with your day-to-day challenges. Hi, I'm Siobhan O'Neill Schwenk, and on this podcast, we are joined by trailblazers and veteran players to investigate the real driving forces that are modernizing money movement and what's building or blocking its momentum around the world. Whether you're new to global payments, a digital transformation veteran, or you just want to hear some great advice on what strategies create momentum in the global digital payments revolution, then this is the podcast for you. Today, I am joined by Michael Birmingham, co-founder and chief business officer at Neom, as well as Leticia Monkars, global head of payments at Papaya, the only unified platform designed for global payroll, payments, and workforce management independent of third parties. Together, we'll discuss the key issues around multi-country payroll, including the primary delivery models and payment considerations that contribute to the success of businesses entering new markets. Mike and Leticia, welcome to the show. I will start with this because I am a data nerd. I recently read a report that stated in 2022, 59% of the survey takers in this report said that they're working from home. Not surprising. But by 2023, that figure had risen to 82%, which is significantly higher. And I thought that was a little curious with people returning to work and such. Why do you think those numbers are continuing to rise? Michael, Letitia, I'll leave it open to either one of you. The numbers of the global workforce are continuing to rise is because people are more open to leaving the security of being a full-time employee that provides medical benefits, pension, retirement benefits, paid sick, PTO, all the benefits that come along with being a full-time employee. Post-COVID workforce is taking more control of their work-life balance by accepting contractor, freelancer, and consulting roles. The number of people working from home has the opportunity to grow in the global economy and the capabilities of on-demand money movements for contractors, freelancers, consultants to receive their payments through real-time methods of direct payments to bank accounts, payments to wallets, and and direct-to-card. During the COVID stay-at-home orders, people were allowed to manage their work-life balance a little bit better. And in some cases, some employees were working more hours from home compared to the office we're still able to balance their responsibilities outside of work. And since office requirements have changed, it's really at the forefront of many conversations, which is why we see growth in contractors and freelancers taking projects or jobs per se, which gives them the work-life balance they had during that time. Leticia, what's your take? Most industries move to a hybrid mode. It's a fact. Employees desire flexibility and majority of employees enjoy working from home but still need time to time to come to the office. The question is not whether the number of employees working from home will increase, but how companies manage flexibility. Empty offices, the different team schedules, no meeting rooms uh, the day when all employees are at the office. The challenge will be to find a balance between work efficiency and some potential frustration from employees. Obviously, with global work from everywhere on this sort of upswing, and there's an obvious correlation here in that HR departments have had to take on the added challenge 
of recruiting and hiring remote workers on an international basis as well, which comes with some fairly unique challenges, does it not? Yeah, it absolutely does. The hiring process is complex no matter where you are and what you're doing. But when you go to hiring a global workforce, understanding the regulations around employment law, taxes, benefits, employee classifications, and how they get paid, is it through ACH or direct-to-card mechanisms like a wallet, really understanding the employee expectations while managing local compliance and laws. Employers really need to choose a model that works for their global teams. Employers will need to decide how they manage payroll. If they do it in-house, utilize a PEO, or work with an employee of record model, really find what is the best fit for them. Natisha, mm -hmm. When it comes to recruiting or finding talents, it's not so scary. You have access to a larger uh, talent pool. However, it is much more complex to deliver the same onboarding experience for the new joiner. The complexity on the payment side, payroll payments, is each country has its own set of rules and regulations. To pay the employee, the employer will need to follow different payment timelines and use different payment rates. From a payment angle, it is not a global transaction. It's a local transaction that needs to come from a local source, from a local bank account. I agree. It is a local payment because people, these freelancers, employees, and contractors don't want to receive a foreign currency into their bank account and then have it exchanged at the bank and then receive all those fees. Making a local payment to an employee or a contractor or a freelancer, they want to receive everything in local currency because all that conversion is happening before they receive their money and they know how much is coming in. When it's sent from a foreign currency and converted at a bank, they really don't know how much they're going to receive and, and what fees are going to be attached to it. Because remote hiring has to go hand in hand with global payroll, Leticia, I'll start with you. How are you seeing that symbiosis play out in real time? There are two parts in the process. First is the calculation. Calculation from the workforce solutions, such as Papaya platform. Calculation on the net salary, expenses, allowances. The second part is the payment. Payments in different jurisdictions, with different currencies, with different timelines. The first part of the process we have the knowledge, we have local partners to always be on top of any new rules that can impact the calculation. For the second part, we have our own e-money license to avoid intermediary and to streamline the process. Access to real-time payments rates, to add also accounts vali validation to minimize the payments failure. The payment solution embedded in the platform, in the workforce management platform, is a game changer, making the end-to-end -end process uh, seamless. Michael, while remote global hiring has a lot of benefits attached to it, like access to this vast uh, pool of talent, it has some challenges as well, right? I imagine if it's so complex to hire across borders and time zones, the payments associated with it are just as complex. And what Leticia is describing to me sounds like it could ball up in a big mess really quickly. Paying the global workforce on time and in their local currency through their preferred method can be challenging for HR's teams and payroll providers since they have to deal like exactly right, like currency fluctuation, local laws and compliance, time zone differences, cultural and legal differences. The speed and reliability and payout capabilities 
are very difficult to manage as well as working with the right partner to manage the payment needs that have global coverage and have that reliability. The first challenge I would like to highlight is on the bank integration. Companies dealing with a global workforce will have multiple bank partners. It means sometimes they use host-to-host connectivity, sometimes bank portals or file upload. They also have to deal with different banks' files format. It's complicated from an integration standpoint. The second challenge is on the currency management. We mentioned that with Mike earlier, like most of the time, employees are paid in the local currency of the country in which they are based. But when you start hiring globally, you can end up with a mismatch between the currency location of your business and the currency and the country in which you need to pay some of your employees. Let's take an example. A client is based in the US, it means he, he has a, a lot of revenue or most of uh, his revenue generated in the US in USD. And he might have some employees in Europe to, to be paid in Europe. The company will need to manage the complexity of the funding on the currency conversion and the cross-border payments. That's why it becomes very complex to, to manage for those companies. And do you find that most of the people that are trying to manage that really do have an understanding of what's happening, right? Of receiving their revenue or accounts receivable in, say, USD and then having to pay it in Europe. Do they understand those complexities around the actual currency fluctuations and, and those movements? Or are you finding that you're actually educating those companies on how it really works? I will tell you, Mike, they do understand. It was very clear, but they never managed in the past to optimize it. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was a burden. They they have to deal with it. That's all. But now it becomes really you can see the change, <laughs> and and what's happening now is really they understand that it's strategic as well. We should not forget, Mike, and I think that as well is when we are talking about uh, payroll, it's the highest liabilities, the biggest one for the companies. It's huge, and it was never strategic before, and now we can see the shift. I know we were talking about that, Mike. We can yeah. see the shift now. And the dynamic is different and they really want to optimize the funding, the management of the currencies. And it's great that people can see that it's strategic due to the big amount. Yeah, Yeah, because a lot of people are now working from home, taking those freelancer roles. They're really having to see instead of using payroll provider locally, launching a USD wire and then one wire to pay that person. Right now, these they have... 10, 20, 50, 100, even more people in a foreign country or outside of their normal country to be paid. And before it was just launching, somebody else really dealt with it. Now they've really got to see, all right, I've got all these people paid at different times, different amounts and in different cycles that currency fluctuation can really hinder or they need to have a better understanding so they're not hurting their top line revenue. I agree. I'm curious in light of this, how growing companies do handle this when they start looking towards going global and they are thinking about, gee, we really could optimize this rather than it's something we need to do quick, just do it and get it over with. Let's say I'm a payroll platform whose customers are increasingly going global with their workforces and we need to do something about this. And so I'm looking for a payment solution that will work with global complexity and scale or maybe 
let's say I'm a business that's expanding internationally and I'm trying to understand how to handle payroll issues. If I'm starting that process, what should I start thinking about first? I think employers have to look at the three different models when they start hiring locally and expanding their global workforce, right? They can manage all of their in-house payroll themselves where the employee manages all aspects of the payroll process, salary payments, taxes, benefits, and other local payroll requirements and obligations. Or they can use a professional employer organization or a PEO, which is an outsourced firm that provides all the services to the companies, manages all the payroll and the obligations under law, HR consulting, where they have expertise in local employment laws and regulations. Or they can go with the EOR model, which is employer of record, which is an organization that serves as the employer from a tax perspective while the employee performs all of the work for the company that hired them to do, manage their day-to-day obligations. Each model has their benefits. The key is having an understanding of local requirements and how the company manages their contractor payments or payroll. Leticia, I'm assuming with Papaya, you support these different use cases, correct? Yes, exactly. We do. It was very well explained. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> very clear. <laughs> uh, Yes, we do support the different models and the wallet mechanism helps the company to have the proper funding to manage the currency exchange and really to send a seamless manner all the the payments. For organizations that hire using both the PEO and EOR scenarios, are there any big watchouts for an employer to consider when they're thinking about how to pay international contractors or international employees? Because we've touched on a few of those, but there are some pretty big differences. And what specifically, if, if I'm that employer, should I be thinking about? I think there's many things to look out for when you're paying an international contractor versus an international employee. Taking away the complexities of laws and regulations. When international employees, they know when they're going to be paid as for their employment contract. All their benefits and taxes will be managed by the employer. There's not really much concern for a full-time employee on payroll because everything just happens on their pay cycle and they get their money on their payday. For international contractors, companies really need to understand that contractors, freelancers, consultants may not have regular pay cycles. So it's important to this group in the global workforce that they will be paid on time via the requested payment method, whether it be bank, card, or wallet, and in their local currency. Employers should manage this process through a global payroll provider who has a real keen understanding of the local requirements and the needs of the contractors. I fully agree. The only things I would like to add is we have more and more companies having both. It means that when expanding internationally, they start with contractors and then they can decide to have a international employees. But it's a very common approach and it means companies, they, they have to deal with the, the complexity to, to have contractors in one country and international employees in the other one. Different uh, payments terms and schedules and, and so on. But yes, we can say is we have more and more having both according to the countries and so on. It's one more layer of complexity for the international companies. What are some of the ways that noncompliance can be an issue for global payroll companies? For example, I know that some of the consequences can be pretty severe. Fines, for one, would be the most obvious. But are there others that that companies should be concerned by? 
There are issues around non-compliance. Global payroll entities can face non-compliance with cross-border payments, domestic payment regulation, as well as potential licensing requirements on how they control the flow of funds, if they're holding client money or safeguarding of funds. Local markets can and do have regulation around the movements of money. Like I said, the safeguarding of funds and their reporting obligations. When you process a transaction, depending on the country, it could be a real-time payment report as well to the regulators or on a you know 10-day basis or on a quarterly basis. So you really have to understand those reporting obligations, understanding where the global payroll provider sits in that flow of funds, as well as in the flow of regulation. Non-compliance is a big <laughs> hot topic, and I think we, we need to, to handle that with care. And the, the companies and the, the platform like Papaya, who are servicing companies, I can tell you it's our top priority. And why it's our top priority? From a, First, from a cost angle, if you do not pay on time, like authority payments, you have penalty. And when you look, and as I said, it's the uh, biggest liabilities for the company, you have a penalty of 10%, it's substantial. I think it's the first thing is from a cost perspective, the non-compliance can have a, a very substantial impact. It's not only that, is we are talking about payroll, we deal with uh, sensitive information, sensitive data. You cannot share uh, data like uh, you will share a simple email uh, with one of your provider. There are some rules and regulations around data. And we always talk about GDPR and so on, but it's not the only one we have. And we have to be to have the right process in place to make sure that the data are exchanged in a, in a very secure uh, and a compliant way. And once again, if you uh, manage different regulation or on the data perspective to follow Europe because you have uh, one entity based in Europe or incorporated in Europe, and you need also to follow what's happening in the US, but it's not exactly the same. Uh, that's something really that, that the company need to, to take into account. And uh, the impact can be very, very substantial from an image standpoint. Any breach like that, it's an image, it's not only a, it's not only a cost, it's not only uh, the 10% that you might pay to the authority on the data front, is an uh, image also that will be uh, badly impacted. I imagine it, when you're a new company and you're trying to go global, it makes it makes being agile about it and taking advantage of new business opportunities. It, it, it makes it not realistic if you're struggling with those issues, right? For these companies that are looking to expand globally, it can be very cumbersome when it comes to understanding all the different types of regulation, like Leticia said, the privacy and the payment flow and all this, for them to take on the task of expanding globally, as well as having an understanding of the regulations, even around privacy, it's always ideal to work with the partner that will or has the keen understanding of those regulations and take that piece of the growing out of doing that expansion with hiring global workforce. I imagine... Speaking as uh, as an employee and from my fellow employees, the ephemeral freelancers union, it, it sends the wrong message to them, right? Particularly for employees that have been asked to maybe relocate somewhere. I think there's some sensitivities around being an international worker that make this very, very tricky to navigate. Myself, I've moved twice to two different countries and navigating that process of being a freelancer or a, an employer moving overseas really understanding 
now you're living in a new currency, right? The one thing that I did right away is now I'm living in pounds and then I lived in Aussie dollars is live in that country for what it is. But then you still have those obligations back home where you need to send money home if you have a mortgage and cover your mortgage payment or your insurance or anything like that. That is a daunting task for somebody that's moving overseas and taking a contractor role in another country. But the element is you have to live in the currency where you reside. Yes, there's always that element of, oh, am I making more or less money? And that can change month to month. I mean, a great example is, is when I moved to Australia, the Aussie dollar was weaker than the U.S. dollar. And over the first six months, the Aussie dollar went above parity to the U.S. dollar. So somehow I basically got a pay raise without doing anything because it went 10% over parity. So sending money back home was great because I was getting a way better exchange rate. Then when it did dip back under, you kind of tighten up, but you really have to live in your local currency even though you do have family or personal obligations back home that you need to transfer money. Letizia, are there any other challenges that we haven't mentioned that global that global payroll companies face? Yeah, we, we mentioned a lot of friction coming from the, mm. the multiple uh, timelines. We, we mentioned that the, the different pay dates. What is also important to, to highlight from a payment standpoint is you will need to also take into account your capabilities. It means that locally you might have access to real-time payments because there is a real-time payments infrastructure in the country, like faster in the UK. And then you will be able to vary between the time you fund your account and the time you need to do the payments. You can manage that very efficiency in a very efficient manner in a couple of days, even less. But if you do, you work with some countries who do not have a real-time payments infrastructure, you will need to fund your account much earlier. It's not only, uh, we, we keep talking about the, the different contracts, the, the timeline from the authorities, but also you need to take into account which rails you will use. And this one will impact the day you need to fund your account. And we know that in some markets, it can be one day before, and in other markets, you will need uh, to take three or four days. It's also the payment rates to take into account. There is something also we did not talk about, and it does create friction is the, the bank's detailed requirements. According to the country, you will not have the same requirements. In some countries, you will need to prepare a file and have the sort code. In some countries, you will need to qualify the transaction and explain that it's, the purpose is for payroll. In some countries, you need to put the reference of the payments. And this one, it creates a lot of friction. And it starts from two countries. <laughs> as long as you have two countries to, to deal with, you will need to manage this complexity. Michael, is there anything in specific that you're seeing that a co company could trip over if they're not careful? You have to work, in our opinion, is someone like Papaya or a company payroll provider, they need to work with a B2B payment platform that can manage these local payouts for global payroll providers as they, they we have an understanding, the capabilities, the technology to complete these payments. B2B payment platforms have an understanding of local payment regulations by having robust legal and compliance team or a local external law firm that they can consult with around these payments in a particular country. Understanding the nuances in a local market of the requirements to complete a payment, as Leticia said, by having the formats and everything correctly, as well as the capabilities to access local payment rails or methods for the relationship with these contractors, freelancers? Is it a real-time payment network? Is it 
they don't have those capabilities in their country or is it a wallet or most people want to be paid to a card as well as, as I mentioned before, managing those local reporting requirements as it pertains to cross-border payments, as well as in the markets that do have a real-time payment network, managing that and the expectations that it will be there in a particular period of time, as well as the technology, a B2B payment provider that can provide an API to manage all aspects of the payment flow from ingesting the payment details and running the validation to ensure that information is correct before it leaves a payment gateway and then gets rejected at the bank end, they can validate that information and provide feedback right to the payroll provider on a real-time basis so they can update it to ensure that their payment goes out in the correct time, as well as screening and monitoring for sanction checks and watch lists and so on and so forth to ensure that the payment is going to the right person and is clear to be processed, as well as having transparent payment statuses to ensure the global payroll knows where the transaction is throughout the process. As Leticia said, when they're sending these payments, if they say it's going to be their real time or T plus one or T plus two, having that transparency. So if they, the payroll provider is questioned by the company, they can provide them instant feedback to say, all right, it's here. Now it's, it's been sent to the bank. It's on its way to the beneficiary as well as have then those capabilities to say to someone like Papaya that, hey, this transaction has been completed, and then they could provide that information to their end user, really just covering all aspects of the entire payment flow. It, it just sounds like it could become it could become payment spaghetti really quickly. <laughs> it, it definitely can become cumbersome. And someone like Papaya and Neum that managed each aspect of the, that transaction. It's really the everyday process. It's really the bread and butter of every single day of our lives is, mm -hmm. is managing all aspects of these payments. Yeah. Leticia, Mike, one last question. What are each of you most looking forward to seeing change in 2023, whether it's for Neom and Papaya or Global Payroll at large? What's most exciting to you? First is, uh, I would say, the fact that now payroll is strategic. Okay, payroll payments is strategic. And I can see more and more interest from our clients, from our prospects about payroll payments. And it's important to highlight that if you mess up once, your employees will always remember. The, what I would like to highlight as well is if you receive a payments earlier than planned, it's okay. But when we talk about salary, you want a fixed date. And this is the particularity about payroll payments. You can't pay late, like any kinds of payments due, but you cannot pay too much in, uh, in advance and earlier because employees are expecting their salary on time, on a certain payroll date. And it's super important because you have a very short window to manage this and it's very complex. And if you pay too much in advance, the employee will, will not understand why this month is on the 13th, last month he was on the 16th. It's impossible because you mentioned that the mortgage and so on to manage the, the cash flow, the, 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 it's very complicated for, for an employee if he doesn't have a fixed date. And you can't pay late either. <laughs> but what I really enjoy right now uh, to, to be working in this industry is, is the fact that it's strategic. It's critical. We can, uh, we have solution now, like uh, the wallet solution uh, we have at Papaya to improve the process, to manage with efficiency 
the pain, the payout, and the, the, all the entire process with different kind of payments in different countries, in different currencies. 2023, the rest of the year will be a great year, I'm sure. We're looking forward to the changes in the global economy and the needs for modern money movements. And as we discuss global workforce payments and other financial and non-financial firms utilize payment service providers whom are now processing more cross-border payments based on from the pandemic and the end of the pandemic, it's really, really expanded it. Companies now see the advantage of speed, more competitive exchange rates, technology, and other capabilities like pay-ins and card issuance. And really, we're looking forward to how our segment will grow further is really an exciting challenge and and Neem is ready to be at the forefront of it. Leticia, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. This was absolutely fascinating. Thank you for being so enthusiastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. We appreciate it as well. That is all the time that we have today. I want to say thank you so much to Michael and Leticia for being with us and highlighting the ways that global payroll is growing and changing in real time. On this show, we're investigating the real driving forces that are modernizing money movement and what's building or blocking its momentum around the world. Make sure you're subscribed. Check us out at neum.com slash forward exchanges or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and tell us what you like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Siobhan O'Neill-Schwenk, and this has been Forward Exchanges from Neum.